0: Hello, and welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I am Ivy Lasseter, the host, and I am so thankful you're listening. The point of this podcast is to talk about parenting things, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. We just can learn so much by hearing people's stories who are just a few seasons ahead. Today, we're hearing from Carrie. She and her husband are parents of six children. As I record this, their ages are 17, 14, 14, 12, 11, and 10. I mean, can you imagine? Six kids. Three of her children are biological and three are adopted from Costa Rica. She very honestly talks about the journey of adoption, the challenges they are facing, have faced, the places of redemption, and how she has seen God work through all of it. Her faith and perseverance are absolutely remarkable, and there's a lot we can learn from her experience. Here it is. All right. So, Carrie, I want to hear the story of how your family grew. Okay. Well, my husband and I were on our 10-year
1: anniversary trip, and I had read a book. I think it was by Jenny Allen talking about praying anything. So I just said, hey, babe, let's just start praying that prayer. God, we will do whatever you ask of us to do,
0: uh-huh.
1: hands open. Um, and so we started praying that prayer. At the time, I was a foster care nurse and mm-hmm. um, had worked overseas as a nurse in Costa Rica. And so we had been sponsoring a little boy in an orphanage. So we, we were aware of kiddos in foster care and kiddos yeah. needing to be adopted, um, but never thought God would ask us to do that.
0: Did you have biological children at this time? Yeah, we had three kids. Okay. Um, okay.
1: Our youngest at uh, at that time when we started praying that prayer, she was two. Um, I think it was like I don't remember the ages exactly, but our youngest was two, um, and so that would probably make our oldest seven. Okay. Um, I'll get my ages mixed up. <laughs> it's all right. I, <laughs> I guess that's part of you know when you have six having exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so we just felt like God was stirring in our heart to think about adoption. And we're kind of like, how do we even go about this? And so yeah. just God led us down this path of giving us discernment and wisdom of um, leading us to adopt from Costa Rica. And wow. when we said yes um, to starting the process, we thought we would just be adopting an older boy because um, that was kind of what we were told was the high need from Costa Rica, that there was a lot of older kids that needed um, to be adopted. And as soon as we got into the process, um, we recognized that our hearts were being opened to adopting
0: two kids, huh. a sibling group. Um, oh, my. And okay, I have a question yeah. real fast. So it's you and your husband are praying about this. Are y'all feeling led like exactly the same way? Yeah. at the same time or what okay. Very much Which is so. a total yeah. that's a god thing to me. Yeah, and, you know, and we included our kids too. <gasps> oh. So what did that look like? So
1: so I take that back. Our oldest would have been nine, because he's um, okay, seven years older than my youngest at the time. So um it would have been nine, maybe around six and two. And um we just had them be included in praying. And that was part of what I was gonna say is what changes from two kids to three was we were having a prayer time as a family. And my, my oldest son at the time said, um, we were doing a lot of listening prayer and asking God for pictures and words. And he gave my oldest son a picture of eight coins. And he said, mom, I feel like we're supposed to open our hearts to three kids, not just two. And so we quickly changed our home study. We had financially just made enough, like there's a minimum of what you're supposed to be able to make to be approved to adopt a certain amount of kids. Like there's so many mm-hmm. God God moments and his opening of doors to lead us to that mm-hmm. place. Um, yes. And so we changed our home study and then it just moved much quicker it actually took us four years to do the adoption but once we changed to three kids it um we got matched pretty quickly and then um the cool part was we were in the adoption process for four years and our kiddos were waiting in the orphanage that same amount of time like we were both Uh -uh. doing our own journeys
0: Uh -uh. yeah I mean
1: four years yeah So lots of home studies, lots of, um, just the waiting on God, like, what are you doing? Um, a lot of growing as individuals, a lot of growing Uh as a family and, and post adoption. Now I see how much he was preparing each of us, not knowing the battle we were entering and, um, and knowing that we needed that time to be so connected to him and know his heart for us and know his heart for the kids. And then also so clearly seeing him, his hand and writing this story, because when we got home and things were so difficult, we were able to look back at all the ways that he had provided and had been faithful and yes. asked us to do this. So we knew, okay, there was no question that God called us to do this adoption and called us yeah. to these three children.
0: So, so practically, because I think waiting, waiting on God is a, I mean, it's a part of the Christian experience. (laughs) Like, you know, we all, so what did, what did it look like practically for y'all as a family to just be faithful in waiting? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Um, so I think we just,
1: Part of it was we had to fundraise. So there was a Uh lot of events where we got to be surrounded by our people, loved ones, Mm. family, also strangers. But I feel like it kept the momentum going of what Uh our eyes were focused on and what God was doing. And so that's good. It helped, help not feel like we were just waiting and doing nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. There were, there was one point where there was like no movement and we had like t-shirts and people had, um, all across the U S but also worldwide. Cause we have friends, um, in different countries wearing our shirts and they put a heart on their hand and we praying for our family and for these kids that we didn't know of at the time who was, who just oh felt gosh. like um, yes. God made it so much bigger than just us waiting. He was allowing other people to see him at work and, provide and be faithful. And, um, yeah. So that felt like we had a community with us before we even brought home the kids.
0: Yeah. That's good. Okay. So talk about what it was like bringing, well, okay. Wait, how did y'all land on, are the three, are they siblings? Like how did y'all? Yeah. So I want to hear about that. Um, in Costa Rica,
1: they have a process similar to the U S where, um, they go to what's called committee. And so they have the file of the kids and then they have the file of us and they, they go through a process of determining who's the best fit family for the children. So it's very child focused. Um, I love that about Costa Rica. I also love that you stay in country and finalize the adoption. So you get to Uh see their world it's not like you fly over, get them and leave within a few days. Like it's a process of the social worker or getting to see your family interact with the kids. You do outings for a, the first week together where they still go back to the orphanage. And then um, if the judge approves it, then they have you basically be guardians. And then the next mm-hmm. process is you're still waiting for all these different, if there's a lot of paperwork in the process and so we actually lived at a Bible home, which was incredible. So we got to live um, surrounded by other believers that basically served us as a family. So it was like the best, almost two months of just bonding time where we just got to focus on getting to know each other. And um, they cooked for us. They had um, some of the college workers help clean our home. So we got to just play and all the things that they tell you when you go home with the kids to kind of um, just, I forget the exact term that they call it, but, um, basically you kind of seclude yourselves together just to kind of Mm -hmm. help the bonding process. And yeah. um, And so we got to do that when we were in Costa Rica and our kids only knew Spanish, the new kids. And then, um, that was part of the God story too. When my youngest was two, we moved to the location we're in now. So, we could be in a dual language school, not knowing at the time that we would be adopting kids that speak Spanish. No way. Yeah. So my two boys that are the older two boys, um, they were fluent in Spanish, so they could help interpret what the new kids were saying. And then my daughter who was in kindergarten, she hadn't um, started the dual language school. She actually picked it up so quick in in, um, Costa Rica that she came home being able to speak Spanish. So, um, yeah, my six what kids did, are dual, you know, they are bilingual and like, it's so cool that God orchestrated that when my son was two and we had no idea, you know,
0: yes, seven years later yes. we
1: would be adopting.
0: Uh, so the five of y'all went and lived in this house for two months in Costa Rica. Is that right? Yeah. So was this over the summer or when? when no, did do this? my husband's a teacher and it was. Okay. Yeah. So we were there. I think
1: like February and March. Yeah. Our adoption day just passed where we call it the lovely celebration day, which was um, March 4th was when the adoption was finalized, but you still, like I said, you have to do paperwork afterwards to kind of make everything official passports, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so we lived, the eight of us lived together in Costa Rica
0: that's amazing. Yeah.
1: The kids still talk about the memories. Like those were the best, probably some of the best memories we've ever had as a family.
0: So how old are your adopted kids? How old were they when you were adopted? So they were four, six, and seven
1: at the time of adoption. And then my biological, this is when, again, I get the numbers, uh, ages. Um, my daughter was five and then, um, so it would have been five, I know, nine, and eleven, maybe. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I've always no, heard. That's not right, but <laughs> when it's well, but basically, your your biological are the two oldest, and then you have yes two adopted, and then your my biological fifth one daughter, is and then my youngest and then, is the new. One. So I've heard that when you adopt and it like mixes the birth order, it throws stuff. Is that been your experience or? Yeah. So before we,
1: um, like finalize going over to Costa Rica and doing the adoption, um, people in the adoption world kind of caution against one, three at once. Like that's a huge change. So that yes. was a, a big warning, a warning of, Hey, you might encounter some hard things. Two, that they were older, been um, mm-hmm. in an orphanage for most of their life, um, losing that cycle of um, that bonding and nurturing mm-hmm. from one parent when you're in a setting with a bunch of other kids that are from hard places. And then three, yeah, out of birth order. Um, so we understood that it was a complex adoption, but again, right. when God made it so clear, that's what we were supposed to do we had a hundred percent complete piece of saying yes. We said yes before we even see, saw their faces. Like we just mm-hmm. knew these were the three children God intended to be in our
0: family. Um, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, so what was it like when they came back home? Like what, what was that like to, for y'all all to come back and, acclimate into America life. Yeah. So, um, you kind of come off the honeymoon, uh, yeah,
1: things were really easy and good in country because it was like a neutral place. It wasn't their orphanage. It wasn't our home. Um, we didn't have a lot of stressors and then you come home and you know, the three biological kids are now all of a sudden having, people in their space doing things Mm. that they hadn't experienced before, um, being a foster care nurse, I was aware of what are some normal things from kids from trauma, like what's normal to experience. There's lying, stealing, um, you know, doing hard things that, um, what we recognize now was some trauma, but also our kids, um, a couple of them have FASD, which is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. So it's an invisible brain disorder. And, um, so part of their struggle is they don't always, um, connect cause and effect that if I, Mm -hmm. this is, this is what's going to happen also impulse control. And then, um, you know, kids from trauma, they have a hard time sometimes regulating their brain. So there's triggers for them. And, um, emotionally there was a lot of hard, um, outbursts, um, crying, anger, things that made our home environment, not kind of the peaceful place of, um, refuge it used to be so that was yeah for everyone um it was hard for the new kids hard for the kids that had been here hard for us as parents trying to navigate you know you think about six kids that's a lot of needs and care like time to care for someone anyway but um these were very intense and unique needs as we were learning about them um we went to a couple of adoption camps that really helped. We had had therapists on board for the kids, mm-hmm. also for us, for the biological kids that wanted it. Um, so lots of people wrapping around us trying to help. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was a big transition um, coming home and navigating what real life would look like and how to best love each person uniquely.
0: Yeah. So... I'm, I'm visualizing this and thinking that sounds so hard. Like that sounds, I mean, so hard. I don't even, so like what, how how do you feel like y'all endured and made it through that Mm. season?
1: Well, I came out with adrenal fatigue, which is. Okay. Okay. Yes and um, basically your cortisol is so stressed out that you stop making cortisol because the uh-huh. body just is like I, it doesn't recognize that it needs to make it anymore." Um, and so I came out exhausted, and I just thought it was because I was caring for six kids, but once I went and saw the doctor and he did some hormone tests and labs, he was like, "Oh my goodness, your your adrenals are not functioning anymore. We need to How long ago was this? So we have been home. I think it's been six years. That's crazy to say six years. Yeah. 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 So um,
0: that happened after the first year. How did you persevere? How do you, it just for me and I'm an outsider and I'm looking in. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you do that on a day-to-day basis? But it's like you, you were really tired. It was it was a lot. It
1: was, it was a lot. It was, it felt pretty dark baby. the, yeah. it felt really dark. It felt like, God, did you abandon us? Yes. Yes. We obeyed. Yeah. And, and then it, and grieving for the kids that were here that were, new, yep. And wanting to like, um, so much of my time went with them in different therapies mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. even my little boy, I kept him out half day and did what was called front packing where I wore him to try to mimic what it used to be like when the mom would have him close to the heart to try to help some of that bonding and calming of his brain and um, just constant pouring and trying to figure out what they needed. But then also like, what did my other kids need as their world was flipped upside down and they're hearing yelling and crying and screaming. Yeah. Um, And that was when if I didn't start my day with the Lord, there was no way I could make it through. Like, yeah. um, He gave us a verse before we left. Um, I'll read it for you. It's, it's still a lifeline for us, but it's in Isaiah 42, 16. It says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them. I will turn darkness into light before them and make rough places smooth. Mm-hmm. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. And so I would just I had that posted in my kitchen.
0: Yeah. And when I
1: would rock yeah. my babies, um a lot of times kids from hard places you have to go to um parts of the development that they missed mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. not having that mama do some of those things to nurture and love them. So I would be doing that. Um and just praying and calling out to God. Like we just need you lots of playing of worship music. He gave me this picture of like, he was the outlet and I was the cord. And if I didn't plug in, there was not going to be any power or strength. And yes, yes. I needed him. We were desperate for him. Um, thankfully our marriage, like I've heard a lot of people that have adopted where it's such a strain on the marriage that the marriage doesn't last because of how much stress there is. And, um, we had been through losing his mom before we got married. Um, and then, um, I'm a nurse. And so we, there were some seasons where I had really stressful nursing jobs where it allowed us to like, finally realize, okay, we need to move to a different city where you can have a schedule that we could see each other and learn how to be married and, um, work through the grief of losing his mom, you know, right before we got married. And, I just um, see so many ways that God prepared us for this season that we were in. Even our youngest biological daughter didn't sleep through the night for three years. And she had um, colic and reflex where we had to wear her 24-7. My husband used to walk the streets at like three in the morning with her. Uh, We laugh now because she's one of our easiest kids. We're like, we paid for it when you were a baby. Things (laughs) of learning how to endurance yeah and how to be depleted Uh how do we still come together and um so i really feel like our early marriage early early marriage when there were stressors and we laugh now where we we didn't really like each other and so it was like we had to figure out like how do we do this because we're opposite from each other like yes he he is a seven on the enneagram if you've ever done the enneagram where he's very easygoing like the party like um he has ADD. So it's really hard. It used to be really hard for him to start something, finish something. Thankfully we found out when he went back to college as an adult learner, he got a medication and now that's different, but just so many things where we were butting heads and there was one time in Costa Rica where I was standing in, in our, the Bible home and it was like this aha moment of everything we had gone through and the ways that we knew ourselves so well and the ways that Mm -hmm. I knew him as my spouse Mm -hmm. so well. And it was like, God just said, I made this family for you. Like you, you needed each other. And it was like this beautiful puzzle of like, oh my goodness, like that is why we are so different. That Mm -hmm. is why you allowed us to experienced those four years of waiting that's why you allowed us to experience like the things leading up to this it was like seeing my husband be the parent to these six it was Uh like it was beautiful because it was like he he could go and play with them and entertain and be fun and then I was that I'm a one where I like to do things well and so like I have the organization to be able to (laughs) sustain a big family of keeping us organized yes keep us fed with, you know, like, I felt like I was the lunch lady laying out all the, you know, meals and all these things where it was like, God was like, see, like, this is why I made, made made this family. And, you know, just, it was amazing.
0: Yes. Yes. I, I think, I think that describes like, It's a part of faith in the moment of like, in the moment you think back to you and your husband early on in marriage and y'all are going through these hard things and you're frustrated. Why? Yeah. Or, you know, and God's going, trust in me, believe in me. You can't see what I have for you, but this is a part of the big picture. Yeah. And so often we we're just so limited in our, in our view. Like we don't see the hard thing we're going through is actually preparing us for something bigger, something greater. So, you know? Yeah. 100%. And so having faithfulness in those moments, you know, is it's so hard. It's so hard. But it's so worth it. And just to have sometimes those
1: glimpses of Like it just spurred my faith on to be like, God, you are so trustworthy and you have been Mm -hmm. faithful and none of this has Mm -hmm. been wasted. Mm -hmm. And it just, it, it, it allowed my heart to be like, okay, we can do this. And like, Uh whatever's next, you're with us and you're not leaving us.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and that moment in Costa Rica where you could see, it's like, you kind of got a glimpse of what he could, he can see. And that kind of spurs you on for the next chunk of time because we're just limited in what we can see. And so he gives us little glimpses. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Um, Okay. I want it. We haven't talked much about, I want you to tell us about your medical background. Yeah. Because I think it's so cool about how God equipped you for this too. Yeah. So, um, Part of why
1: we adopted from Costa Rica was because I worked over in Costa Rica as a nurse during nursing school. And, um, and so then once I graduated, did lots of different nursing jobs. And once we got home um, with the needs of our kids, I just decided to volunteer. So I've done a lot of volunteer work the last six years um, as camp nurse, you know, doing medical trips, And then this year, when I was getting some support from DD Services, which is developmental disabilities, um, they let me know they needed a nurse. And so I get to go and be a nurse in people's homes that have intellectual and developmental disabilities. And um, I love it because there's a lot of components of what we've gone through with our family that's there. And so that's one of my jobs. And then another job is um, I get to be the medical wellness coordinator for medical trips overseas to remember new homes, which is a nonprofit that helps with kids that are at risk for things like sex trafficking. um,
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: Vulnerable. And so my first trip with this organization will be to Kenya in September. And um, we get to bring a team of medical providers, dental assistants, dentists, Um, doctors, nurses, and go to these different homes and just um, come alongside of what they're already doing in the homes and just get to be an advocate for the kids and making sure they are getting the best medical care that they need.
0: But you've done, over the past, you've done like several mission trips, right? Yeah. You said that, right? Yeah. So
1: Thailand, Costa Rica, Colombia, and then, you know, the world shut down. So Yeah. Yeah. So then this role came, I feel like God has just been so gracious in those six years of being home and really being an advocate for my kids and learning their needs and how to keep navigating as a family of eight. Um, I really missed being a hands-on nurse and this Mm -hmm. was another one of those times waiting. And then all of a sudden this year, God, like, poured it out. So
0: I'm doing those <laughs> you like open the floodgates. <laughs> totally.
1: So I'm doing those two jobs part-time, which you know is wonderful. And then um this is when I started the business, the healing Casa business.
0: Yeah. Talk about just how we Go met. Yeah. And yeah. so
1: um as a mom of kids with special needs and also an adoptive mama, um, you can feel really alone. You can feel mm-hmm. not seen. Um, it can be a really hard place. And, um, we were at one of our breaking points of how how do we do this? How do we help our kids? Especially just finding out that two of them had FASD. So can I pause? How did you find out they had this? Um, so another cool God story, the nurse I worked with when I was a nursing student in Costa Rica. Okay. She adopted two boys from Costa Rica. And we had stayed in touch and, um, she came and saw us in Costa Rica. And then she ended up moving back. She was, had been a missionary there for many, many years. She moved back and she lives like 45 minutes away from us.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah. And so
1: she came down to visit us again, post adoption. She saw us in country with the kids and then she came back and saw us. And she gave me this book that was called try. I think it's try Differently, not harder. I don't know if that's exact words, but basically it talks about, um, it's called facets, which is a neurobehavioral model of how to approach people with brain-based differences and disabilities. And it was the first time where I'm like, it kind of perked my interest of, okay, is this, if is what we're seeing in our home more than just a kid from a hard place of coming from trauma and adoption. Right. Right. And, um, so I just started talking to her about it more. Um, one of her two boys has FASD. And so she kind of told me the process of getting diagnosed. It's, it is actually difficult and it's, it's easier to get diagnosed with FAS because that's when they actually had the facial features. Um, but we went to a neuro clinic up in Portland, which is close to us. And they just did some tests and lots of interviews and, um, that's how the two kids got the diagnosis. Wow. Yeah. And they have another really good one up in Seattle. Um, but thankfully the doctors here had enough information that they could give the diagnosis. Um,
0: when you heard the diagnosis, how did that make you feel? Um, honestly, it was more of like just a relief because Uh
1: it gave us access to more help and that's what Mm -hmm. we needed. We, and, and that's when I was saying, like, as a mom, I just felt so unknown. Um, you know, I'd been at school, the same school with my biological kids. And then all of a sudden, with these new kids, behaviors were arising. And I felt like, as a parent, almost they were questioning what I was doing and, like, not <sighs> understanding how we were trying to support them. And so um, I... Went um, to the the mom that adopted from Costa Rica and told me about the FASTs training. She did a 12 hour training for my husband and I where we met over Zoom and we learned about this neurobehavioral model of how to like help our kids and try to um, equip them in new ways and have different tools and how we parented. And yes, I was like, oh my goodness, I need to become. A facilitator of this, Uh and so that's Uh what launched me into going back to—I call it school—but it was a year-long training with uh, another group of individuals that had also took the training on their own that wanted to become a facilitator of this model, and so they were anywhere from other nurses to people that run group homes to social workers, um, foster parents, people that get that kids with brain-based disabilities they there's not a lot out there that helps individuals with this mm-hmm. because it's in, invisible whereas like mm-hmm. somebody that has a broken leg or somebody that has something is blind visually you see you make accommodations mm-hmm. because you mm-hmm. see they have a disability whereas these kids they look normal right from the outside and they can be so like my kids are so kind, like it does not take away who God made them to be, Mm -hmm. but you cannot parent them the same way. And we have to this day, we still have really hard behaviors in the home that may never go away because of how their brain is wired. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: I learned, I can't change them necessarily, but I can change the way I parent.
0: Yes. And
1: because of how I see how their brain was made and how it works, because of understanding them better. I've learned to accommodate and I've learned to parent differently. Again, not parent differently, not harder. And like, there's less right. conflict, because mm-hmm. I'm able to come alongside of them in a different way. Um, and so that's what pursued me to start my own business of Healing Casa. It's a neurobehavioral coaching business to help Families specifically, I could you know help social workers and teachers and anybody that work with individuals with brain-based disabilities. But my heart is really for the mama that feels yeah. alone and alone. Yeah, because I had been yeah. there, and that we can together help transform lives by bringing hope and healing.
0: Yes. So, so what does that look like? Is it a Zoom? Is it is it like a twelve-hour? I mean. Zoom, like what you talked about. Yeah, So, how, right, so anybody could reach out. Yeah. Kind of
1: anybody thing. could reach out and um, it can be done a lot of different ways. But I just know that when you're in the trenches, yes, that was the biggest thing that when my husband and I took it together, it was like, just give me one bite sized piece because I can't take like, you know, uh-huh. it was even hard to schedule a time to do the training. So yes, my heart is really to work with the individual or the couple and see what's doable. And I have the information and like right now I'm, I'm working with one mom and we're meeting in person at a coffee shop when it works. And there's times that it doesn't work and I, it's okay, you know, but she's going home and teaching her husband too. And she's already said, Things have changed with the school and how mm-hmm. she's working with the teacher and the principal. Things have changed with her doctor. She just got a diagnosis. And so she's going to start working with disability services to try to get some more wraparound support. Yes. And so that's Ugh. just my heart, like to really help others learn what I've learned. And mm-hmm. I'm not an expert, but I have the heart to want to help and come alongside like yeah. I'm an, I'm an expert in knowing that it's hard and, yeah. um, yeah. and as they change, you have to change techniques and, but you're coming away with some new tools and new understanding of their brain and, and, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and you are a few, you're a few seasons ahead of some, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's the. To me, it's so helpful because I really do think when it comes to parenting, the enemy wants you as a parent to think you're a failure. No one else has your issues. If you did better, this would be different. Like, and that's none of that is true. None of it is true. And when you hear from someone a few seasons ahead, go, you know what? I've been there. I know. Like. It's hard. You're not a failure. We're going to work through this. It's like something feels so oh, encouraging in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I love that. And I think about how it must have felt for you taking your kids to school or being out in public and them not the typical behavior techniques weren't working.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they look normal. Like they look like there's something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And not understanding what's happening behind closed doors because mm-hmm. they might behave normally, you know, you can't see my quotes right now, but normally like a, right. a neurotypical child for a short amount of time. But when they've maxed out their regulation of their brain, or they see something in the home that they want of the you know the other kid it, there's just so much conflict that happens that's not seen outside of the doors of our home. And so you just I used to feel really alone and not um other friends of mine or even you know neighbors, people understanding mm-hmm. why it was so stressful, why mm-hmm. there was so much hard like emotions exploding through our homes. And um, it, it takes me back to, I would cling to what, again, so the oldest son that had the picture of the eight coins, Mm -hmm. when we first came home, and things were really starting to kind of stir up. He said, Mom, adopting is kind of like breaking a bone. I said, okay, tell me more. He's like, it hurts really bad when it happens, but it grows back stronger hmm. Yeah. Oh, my, my gosh. 11 year old. Yeah. And he um, even this last year, he said, Mom, do you do you regret adopting? Because, you know, it's it has changed so much. And yet. We cling to the truth that God brought us together as a family and they have changed me. God has used them to change me into more of who God made me to be. Yeah. And the other piece he said was mom, somebody else needs you. God's allowed you to go through this because they need you. And so same thing. It's just like recognizing God is not using any of this. He's not wasting any of this. He's using this all no. to bring him glory and to bring goodness and healing and hope. And, um, that's what i'm passionate about just allowing other people to see god's faithfulness, goodness
0: mm. and to have hope. Yeah. That is so good. That is so good. Um I feel like you've talked a lot about this, but i just want to make sure if there's other good stories or points, but how how has your parenting this drawn you closer to God? Oh. <laughs> there's been seasons, Ivy, and there's been seasons
1: of really drawing close. And then there's been seasons where I feel like I'm like, God, I'm exhausted. Like, uh-huh. are you still there? And it's yep. been quiet. So I would say that first season when we got home, it was this sweet, like, I could just like, the words, every single word that I read, like hit my heart and I needed it. And it was the fuel that got me through the day. I got up knowing God was going to speak to me and Mm -hmm. sustain me. And then when the years were so long and hard, and especially after the adrenal fatigue, it was just like, God, like, I don't have the energy to even parent these six. Like, how do I, how do I continue to have the energy to pursue you as you're pursuing, like just figure out that that new rhythm and, Mm -hmm. and, um, the other adoptive mama that helped us through the facet. She's, she's my spiritual mentor. So I meet with her once a month and, and she's just like, you know what, God's probably showing you more of himself in new ways. Like, don't think you have to have the same rhythm of what you used to do, getting up, sitting with your journal and your Bible, like go for a walk. Like Mm -hmm. maybe he's going to use a bird. Maybe he's going to use a nature. Like, and so just, there's been different ways that God's shown up and, um, and then, yeah, just to be honest, there's been some dry
0: seasons of like, which I appreciate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and I feel like we're in another season of excitement of like, I'm seeing some more healing in our kids, and so mm. that, I feel like draws me closer to God again, like giving Him the praise and the thanks, and um, seeing His hand again, and it makes me feel like, all right, you you didn't leave us again. And um, yeah. when we, my husband and I, celebrated our 15 year anniversary, so five years after we prayed that prayer of God, yes, we do, we, oh my gosh, yeah, um, after so much heartache um, and. And again, like heartache for our our new kids too, that, that they're experiencing all the struggle that none of this was by their choice. Like, right. These kids are warriors. They're resilient. They're amazing. They're going to be world changers too. Just like, I feel like I was telling my daughter, biological daughter on the way, like, she's like, why have we had to have so much hard, you know? So from age five to 11, she's experienced so much going from the baby only girl to, you know, one of six now. And I just, am like, I see the way he's molding their hearts and growing them and teaching them. And there is no way, and then that's wasted for them either. He has each of them on their own journey. And right. we don't know what he's going to do, you know, outside of this home, but we, we know that he's going to use it. He's going right. to use what they've learned and experienced. Like she, at this point, she's like, I want to be a counselor. I want to help other people that have experienced hard things, you know? And so, um, what I was going to just say though, with my husband and I, um, that whole experiencing God in these different seasons, we went and got a tattoo together. We got yes. a, a wave tattoo as uh-huh. the verse of when you go through deep waters, I will be with uh-huh. you. Yes. And so we just, not only the commitment to each other, that we continue to just depend and pour into one another, but also the dependency of being in this relationship with the Lord. And so, um, that's how, yeah, back to your question. And that's how we've grown and, and
0: experienced God in different ways in the last season of Matthew yeah. Eight. Do you feel like you've seen a lot of redemption in the past six years? I feel
1: like we are starting to. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like once we got some more services to support Mm -hmm. us, once I'm starting to see them in a new way, Mm -hmm. now that I'm not so exhausted, like there's Mm -hmm. been so many things that God's opened these doors to kind of hold us up a little bit more that there's more margin to see the healing and the redemption redemption. Yeah. Interesting. But I don't feel like there was like one moment or I feel like, um, it's just been a slow process of seeing what he's doing and at, at many times, not seeing what he's doing, and just you know, crying right. out like, "We need help," and they need help. And, um,
0: but yeah, yeah. It's like you're still on the journey to see redemption. It's gonna, it's coming. Yes, and you're believing it's coming. Yeah, and that's what it is. Like believing mm-hmm. who God says He is. Yeah,
1: and when I can like look back at my journal and see mm-hmm. so many times that he's shown up and been true to who he is it it makes me want to like push on yeah and be excited about like that that word of anticipation like expectantly anticipating what he's gonna do
0: I've spent every Monday night on Zoom with Carrie, along with a small group of amazing women from all over the country, for the past couple of months. As she has shared her heart with us on Zoom about healing Casa and how she desires to be used by God to bring his hope and healing to other moms' parents, I honestly, (laughs) I hadn't picked up any sort of weariness or, oh, like I'm beat down or whatever you might imagine a mom of six. With this story, might seem like. I mean, in fact, I would say she's full of delight and joy and energy. There is a beautiful fullness about her spirit. As she shared her story, I thought her life is evidence to one of my life mantras. And it's this I'd rather be obedient and near to God in a challenging season than be disobedient far from God in an easy season. And for me, what I really know to be true is that obedience to God is always the very best way. It's not necessarily the easy way, but clinging to God's direction in your life means that whatever you go through, (laughs) whatever you go through, the king of kings, creator of the universe, ultimate provider has gone before you and is with you and is behind you, pushing you forward. I mean, think about that. When you say yes to God's way, it means he's with you through it all. This is my experience. It's, it, I've had different circumstances than Carrie's, but it's my experience that this is true, that God's way is the best way. And it's what Carrie describes in her story. Doing what God calls us to isn't always easy. Could I venture to say it might even be mostly challenging? But I sort of get this picture of having the choice to fight a battle where you are the commander with no confidence at all in winning, no battle plan and limited resources. Or you can fight the battle under a commander who absolutely will win, has endless resources and has the very best battle plan. Let's choose the second option. Let's choose the second. The battle will be real. But with God, there is assurance that you're going to be good. You're going to be good. And what a gift to us as parents.